Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. The FT Banks are pulling their best savings deals, so where should you put your cash now? Investment trusts are producing better returns than unit trusts, so could it be the fees? And offset mortgages are proving more efficient for higher-rate taxpayers, so which are the best deals? All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent, and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Alice Ross. Hello. Elaine Moore. Hello. Lucy Warwick-Ching. Hello. And our special studio guest, Ed Moyson, Head of UK Research at Lipper. Hello. So let's start with the money news. In the past couple of weeks, banks have been withdrawing their best savings rates. In just a matter of days, the one- and two-year fixed rates from Barclays, Northern Rock and Santander have all disappeared. But at the same time, smaller providers, including the Post Office, Birmingham Midshires and Clydesdale Bank, have introduced new longer-term rates, paying 4.6% or more on money held for five years. So the question is, have the big banks given up on competing for short-term deposits at a time when savers know they can't beat inflation, letting smaller providers step into the space? Or might there be other reasons why old rates are being removed and new ones launched right now? Elaine, uh, if the only way is up 
for the Bank of England's base rate. Why are so many of these savings rates disappearing? Well, we should say that although some of these rates are disappearing, that doesn't mean that you can't now get a one-year fixed rate from Barclays Bank or Northern Rock or Santander or any of these larger banks that are removing some of their rates at the moment. But it does mean they're just cutting some of the one- and two-year fixed rate bonds that they are offering and that if you look inside a newspaper or a magazine right now and you see adverts for savings, what you'll see advertised are longer-term products, three, four, five-year. What banks and building societies want you to do is tie your money up what savers don't seem to want to do is tie their money up. They want to go for short-term rates. Banks want you to go for longer term. So there are savers who want to go for short-term rates. We know that the base rate will have to go up at some point, you know, end of this year, beginning of, of next. Um, why why would banks cut their rates? I, I just don't, I don't see what the logic is. Well, it's not necessarily that they're cutting their rates. They're possibly cutting the number of uh, short-term bonds they're offering and they're just increasing the, the offerings that they've got at the longer-term end of the scale uh, just to try and encourage us to put our money away for a little bit longer. And possibly they also offered quite a lot of rates around ISA season. That's when you see new rates coming in. Some of these, they're either reaching maturity or they've maxed out the amount of money that's coming in. So some of these are going away at the moment as well. It's just that the volume is fairly high right now. And in terms of the, the cuts that we're seeing to one-year and two-year fixed-rate bonds, um, what sort of level are we talking about? They're not necessarily the, the very, very best rates, but they're some of the more competitive rates. So, for example, Northern Rock has taken away its one-year uh, fixed rate that was offering 0.35%. It's not the most amazing rate at the moment, but you're still getting above base rate. Um for some of the best new rates that are coming out, we've got, I think the best one around is Birmingham Midshires, which is offering 4.65% for a five-year bond, which again is not the very top of the market, but it's not far away because you can still get 5% on five-year fixed rate money. That's from KRBS. That's the rebranded Kent Building Society. I'm glad you pointed that out. I didn't, I didn't know they rebranded. KRBS, not a very well-known name at the moment. No, well, you know, but if they're offering a, a reasonable rate, I'm sure they'll be uh, better known. But is it the case then that... Um, it is the big banks that are making this adjustment while others uh, are happy to try and compete. I mean, you mentioned uh, 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 KRBS, <laughs> I'm trying to remember it, um, but also um, the post office, um, Birmingham Midchaz, or the Birmingham Midchaz is obviously uh, part of a much larger group. Is it fair to say big banks bad, smaller players good, or is it not as simple? It's not quite as simple, but that's what's really interesting about what's going on right now. And we've got a table in FT Money this weekend showing that the disappearing rates do all seem to be coming from the larger providers and the best new rates coming out are from some of the smaller providers. So it's a question mark. The banks themselves, they won't say that they're taking away rates because they've just given up trying to encourage us to put our money away. Although it is a fact we know savers are taking their money out of savings accounts because they can't beat inflation or they need the money to pay for their day-to-day bills. So it's quite possible that banks and building societies who have recognised this might just focus their attention on other financial products, credit cards, things like that. That's where we're seeing some quite exciting movement on rates and offerings at the moment. Well, we'll come on to those subjects, I'm sure, in... uh podcasts uh, in the future but for now Elaine thanks very much indeed and for more on savings accounts and how to make sure you're getting the best rate look out for Elaine's article in the money section of this weekend's FT and online at ft.com forward slash money still to come on the show why your savings could work harder in an offset mortgage first though fund performance 
High fees are often cited as a major reason why some funds perform poorly. But this week, a new survey by Lippa for the Financial Times has revealed just how big the impact can be. It studied 34 fund managers who run both an investment trust and a unit trust, often with very similar or identical investment mandates, and found that the investment trusts outperformed the unit trusts on average over all time periods studied. Investment trusts are popular with investors because of their relatively low fees, with a third of the entire sector charging less than 1% a year as an annual fee. This compares with unit trusts, where the average yearly fees are still 1.6%. So, Alice, the cynic in me suggests that it's the fees that are making all the difference to performance. Is Is it that simple? Um, I think that's definitely a major reason because, um, of course, the survey also looked at the difference in the fees over the particular funds that it was looking at. And it found that there's basically a 50 basis point on average difference between the investment trusts and the unit trusts each year. So the investment trusts are working out cheaper than that. Ed, do you think, I mean, 50 basis points a year is really going to add up over time. So that could explain quite a lot of this um you know, outperformance of the investment trusts. Yeah, I I think that's one of the interesting things about the research for me is that quite often people are aware of charges as an issue and perhaps more as a hypothetical as to all charges have an impact on your performance. But here we've got, you know, real data with as close a comparison between two universes of funds as we can get. You know, for each fund manager that we picked, they're managing a broadly similar portfolio investment trust versus a unit trust. And and when we start crunching the numbers, then this charges difference is, is really what's coming up with the, the difference in the averages. Yeah, and it's not just the the averages as well. I was looking at um the you know the single funds, and it was about seventy percent for each time period studied as well, three year, five years, and ten years over you know seventy percent of the investment trusts in those um, time periods were outperforming as well. So you're right; it does look fairly conclusive. Um, do you think that? Fund fees are the only reason for this, though? No. I think certainly one has to be aware that whilst we try to get as good a comparison as you can, it's still perfectly possible that the manager has got a slightly different investment objective, depending on which type of fund he's running, or indeed that he might manage the money in in a slightly different way, Um, a different number of stocks or weighting to different stocks in different ways. I think the way that investment trusts can borrow, uh, use of leverage, can make a difference, both positive and negative. And that can, you know, if they're, if they're doing well, that can amplify the difference in the performance. And also there's, there's other issues such as the way that investment trusts can retain income in a slightly different way to the way that unit trusts can do. And, and that can have an impact. Mm. What's interesting is um, I'm speaking to some of the fund managers um, that were in this survey this week to ask how they feel about the difference between managing investment trusts and unit trusts. And they do say that it's often nicer to manage an investment trust because you don't have to worry about money flowing in and out. Because with a unit trust, um, if investors want to you know, sell out of the fund, you suddenly have to sell off your investments to create the units for them. But in an investment trust, it's a closed company and you, know, you just have the share price to worry about. So I suppose it's kind of easier as a manager. Yeah, I think also maybe even the fact that investment trusts tend to be less popular uh, sort of 
exacerbates exactly the sort of issue that you're talking about. If you've got less activity in the sector, then, yeah, sure, the manager can be more, I mean, maybe they don't always want that, but be more left alone to uh, to get on and manage his money and not manage his company's marketing department, yeah. Some people say that open-ended funds are getting kind of too big for their boots. I mean, I think once you go kind of one billion plus, I think you're, you know, managers are really struggling to find any, you know, undervalued stocks at that kind of level, aren't they? And there are some people that say not not a tiny fund, but medium-sized might be best in terms of what the manager can actually do for you. That's certainly a factor to look out for, but on individual investment trusts, you can find some whoppers out there as well. It's it's not, um, whilst the sector as a whole is smaller than unit trusts, individual funds, investment trusts can be very large. That can be a factor. I wouldn't say it's, um, you know, sort of a decisive factor across the board. What message do you think the industry can take from all of this? Fees do seem to be one of the biggest factors here behind this. Um, obviously, we have the ban on commission coming up next year. Um, a lot of fund managers are trying to slash their fees on open-ended funds. Do you think this is sending a pretty stark message that if you do cut your fees, performance will be better and it's better for the end investor? It's certainly one indicator that fees matter and they matter particularly over the longer term. I think it's not just a question of the way that managers are able to see their performance, but also how investors respond. If investors continue not really to care about fees, then the question is, where is the pressure coming from for a fund company to, to make those sorts of changes? I mean, I think that's a, that's a long slog. Um, Ed, thank you very much, uh, indeed, for that. And for full details of the performance gap between similar investment trusts and unit trusts, you can find Alice's article and comparison tables in the money section of this weekend's FT and on our website at ft.com forward slash money. And finally today, offset mortgages. These mortgage products, which deduct borrowers' savings balances from their outstanding loans and charge interest only on the reduced amount, have always seemed like a good idea. But in the past, they often had unattractively high interest rates at a time when it was possible to borrow cheaply and earn a lot more on savings. Now, though, soaring inflation, record low interest rates and better products are making offset mortgages more tempting, especially for higher rate taxpayers. Lucy, um, offset mortgages do sound like a good idea. What would you say the main advantages are? As Elaine was saying earlier, at the moment, it's very difficult for wealthy savers to actually get a real return on their money. So offset mortgages actually offer people the ability to reduce the amount of money they have in the loan. So for example, someone with a £400,000 mortgage, but who also has £50,000 that they can put into the linked savings accounts, will actually only be charged interest on the £350,000 of the loan. So what it effectively means is that the savings are earning the interest rate on the mortgage. And this is particularly interesting for higher rate taxpayers, particularly people who are earning over 150000 and could be paying the higher rate tax of 50%. This is because the savings don't actually earn interest because if they did, that would be liable to income tax. But rather, the savings are earning a kind of interest at the prevailing mortgage rate, which means that it doesn't attract any tax liability. So it's a much better use of your money, really, because if you're if you're able to save yourself interest at you know, I don't know, say five percent, and you can only earn interest on savings at two percent, and if you're a higher rate taxpayer, <coughs> you get fifty percent of that, so you only get one percent. 
your money is basically doing far better for you. Yes, and I was speaking to Nigel Bedford at Large Mortgage Loans today, and he kind of gave an example of a, a 25-year repayment mortgage of a of a million pounds that was on a rate of 2.75%. And with savings of £100,000, he was saying that that individual could actually save over £28,000 in mortgage interest payments. And obviously, as mortgage rates increase, the benefits will become greater. So he was saying that taking the same figures, um, but with a mortgage rate of just over 4%, you could actually get a saving of over £66,000. Which is not to be sniffed at. And I suppose if... If interest rates generally start to start to rise, I would imagine that mortgage rates will rise faster mm. than savings rates do, which will sort of open up the um, uh, the differential. Um, another attraction that I see in these things is that uh, you still have access to the savings. It's not as if they are locked up. It's not as if you've uh, you've used them to pay down your mortgage and you can't get the money back. They're still there for you. It's instant, unrestricted access to these savings. Some offset accounts operate as a normal current account, so you can put everything, your salary, anything else, into the um, current account, and that will actually be offset against the mortgage to also make further savings. The surprising thing to some listeners might be that there are still relatively few of these offset mortgages around. Um, just very quickly, who are the... Who are the sort of major lenders in this area? Well, actually, I was speaking to De facto this week, and they said that there's 28 lenders that provide a total of 250 offset mortgages. But obviously, some of those mortgages will just be really high rates. They're not going to be competitive, so there's no point in going for them. But then there are some big players in the market, Woolwich, um, First Direct, Yorkshire Building Society. They're all amongst the most active in this sector. And Yorkshire Building Society actually allows offsets on its entire range now. Um, and it's saying that 30% of all its applications are for an offset. Um, some of the best rates at the moment are um, from Woolwich. Uh, they're offering a tracker at 3.29%. Um, Yorkshire Building Society has a three-year fixed rate at uh, 3.99%. And the fees are in line with the rest of the market as well. So for the Yorkshire Building Society, that's only a £95 fee. And for the uh, Woolwich, that's £999 fee. So they've definitely become much more competitive than they used to be sort of five, ten years ago. It sounds like like the world is sort of switching on to uh, offset mortgages. Well, the world, apart from me, I think I'd better look into this. Lucy, thanks very much uh, indeed. And if you'd like to know more about offset mortgages and how they could save you money, look out for Lucy's article in the money section of this weekend's FT. But that's all for this week's FT Money Show. Remember, you can get weekday news updates on our website, ft.com forward slash money. And you can read and comment on our latest blog posts at ft.com forward slash money matters. And if you'd like to follow our tweets on Twitter, just go to twitter.com forward slash FT money. Next week, we'll be back with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from Elaine, Alice, Lucy, and our special guest, Ed Moisson from Lipper. Goodbye. Goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.